0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I am your host, Ray Bohacks, that hot rod farmer, and that is Tex Rubinowitz from ripso Records, as you all know. And our new intro, so I haven't gotten any real feedback from you, which I don't expect. That everybody's busy, and uh, whether you like it or not, so we will see. So let me know if you don't like it. We could go back to the old one. <clears throat> but hopefully, God willing, everything is going well. And I want to thank you if you did listen to the harvest episodes, right? Harvest one, two, and three. Well, really, in all honesty, this should be harvest number four because I am still in harvest and I'm just playing with these adjustments over here. <clears throat> and excuse me, I'm going to uh, clear my throat for a second okay i'm back that's not too good a minute into this and the throat's acting up but uh today is september 25th so it is not october 4th when this show is supposed to drop so i'm pulling this one ahead also sue is still in europe but that's not an excuse for me to to do a harvest number four and i want to do a regular idle chatter were as much of a regular idle chatter as I could do. And the thing is that we have a delay. We had to hit pause in our harvest because of oh, we had three days of pretty good rain, so about uh, one and a half to two inches a day of rain. So that field is pretty wet and muddy. But most importantly, uh, on the fresh market business, no one comes and buys sweet corn or anything fresh market when it is raining or very little if we had a building or something it would be a different story but an open air type of environment no one really i'm not, not no one really no one comes so uh i always with charlotte and i always choose to leave the corn on the stalk and let it stay fresh and it's been kind of chilly at night so it's really not maturing too quickly and uh, so I can't really give you a final harvest update, but I just will say one thing, well, maybe more than one thing. Right? Uh, it's definitely been a challenging harvest season, and also um, business has not has been business has been very challenging. Also, it's been very eclectic, either very busy or nothing. I mean, nothing or slow, so it's very, very eclectic. It's uh, challenging times here in New Jersey with the economy, and uh, I don't know, it's just um, every place you go that the, you know, you listen to the news, and say, oh, everything is wonderful, it's wonderful. Well, maybe it's not that wonderful over here, at least in New Jersey. There's a lot of places in in town that, is, that are going out of business. Uh, restaurants are doing terribly. Uh, where my wife goes to get her nails done, uh, they're, <clears throat> they're not doing well uh to tell you the truth a lot of these businesses never ever recuperated after covid so uh so we will see it's all in, in god's hands and we're not we're not to the last lap yet so uh god willing we could see what happens and we could pull maybe the good lord will pull this over into the black for us but right now it does not look like that but that is the real deal right and uh you win some and you lose some but this will be the third year in a row that we took a pretty good hit so uh so but that's it i mean hey a lot of farmers have that happen so we will see we will see what is going on but let me see what else we get get into uh a normal uh normal complaining session right but uh <clears throat> what i do want to say to you to tell you is that uh i have a well two things number one i put a different setting in my roadcaster for this show it's called the big bottom and i used to have it on and then when i got involved with serious i kind of played with the settings for them and they seemed to like it better without the big bottom, but then I uh, also made changes to a different microphone and this reflective shield, which I, I think I told you about a couple of weeks ago in one of the harvest shows, or maybe pre-harvest show. So there's a lot of dynamics of change So just like a race car, right, a drag race engine or something, that you're changing, that you're changing the stuff on the engine, you're changing the stuff on the suspension, you're changing the shock settings, you're changing the different type of tire, and then you go. Make a pass and you don't know what worked, what didn't work. So so I changed a lot of stuff over the time and I uh, put this big bottom on. So I don't know whether it's hard for me to glean what it's what whether it's whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. I I would have to say it's probably indifferent. And I'm trying to play with some adjustments here. Let's see what's going on there. Alrighty. <clears throat> so let me know if you get a chance and if you have the inclination whether you like this, it's also sound more radioish, and, but it may not sound more radioish in my situation. Maybe it's just booming. Who knows, right? <laughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so that is that. Uh, but I, you know, interestingly enough, different, different, completely. I, I said I was going to tell you two things. I forgot what the other thing was already. But uh, interestingly, my thing is about my telephone. Our telephone in our house. Has not worked properly, I would say for almost three years, if not three years, and uh, that's the landline telephone. And we get it; it's just been a nightmare with Verizon, and Verizon's just been a nightmare. And then uh, last last year, we went for months without the telephone working, and then they would come fix it, and uh, literally the guy would not even get out of sight. And it would stop working again. My wife was making a phone call, and it worked fine. And then she uh, had to call the school about something about the health care, and it worked fine. And then all of a sudden it st- stopped working in the middle of the phone call. So anyway, and the, I think the guy was just 15 minutes away from the house. But And the way they worked that is that the technician who fixes it closes the ticket. So you can't call him back, I'm not that he would give you your phone, his phone number anyway, you can't call him back, and then when you go through the Verizon automated system, it's like, oh, it's, it's like, oh, well, they never heard from you again, oh, so do this, check this, do this, go check your box outside, the guy says here five minutes ago, so anyway, the pay, so it never worked right, had a buzzing on it, had a humming, and uh, would do what I call the phantom ring, in the middle of the night it would ring for no reason, there'd be nobody there, wake you up. Scare you, <clears throat> thinking something happened to somebody. And uh, we, went, we went, I'd say, a good solid three years. And uh, <clears throat> it seemed to get impacted more the damper or rainier it was. And when we had a very dry winter and a dry spring, which you know which impacted my crops, obviously, and other people's crops, it was actually better. It had a buzz on it, had a hum on it, but last year when I called to complain about it and get the guy to fix it again, the person I had on the phone was real nasty, a uh, couple of them were real nasty. And it seems that they're working from home, which is ridiculous, right? They're working from home. And uh, <clears throat> they they said to me, well, you got, oh, I may have told you a story last year. You got old copper. So I said, old copper? I said, uh, I said, my house is not that old, all right? Uh... So he says, "No, not on your house, not on your house." The guy says to me, he "says the, the line coming from 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 the town has is all old copper, and we're not replacing the copper. So live with it. I said, live with it." I said, "You're taking my hundred twenty nine dollars a month for this phone." system for this phone phone system phone I, that doesn't work all right and they what they basically do is you call up and complain what they say well it didn't work for two months they give you credit but ultimately you're paying 120 i don't want the credit i want the phone to work and so <clears throat> he's going with this old copper and then the guy who came who eventually quasi fixed it a very nice man this was last year uh he uh, said the same thing this old copper <laughs> old copper and then I could do anything about it so uh, that's basically it then then uh, so the phone took a dump (laughs) again just before uh, probably in August took a dump again I said to my wife I can't I just with everything going on I just can't deal with this I I just can't they said you know I'm going to call them I'm going to be on the phone for 10 hours and this and that and all this other garbage and then they check this do this do that you know and then they keep texting you (laughs) and uh, well, if your phone has worked and you asked to cancel the appointment and then somebody was supposed to come and uh they never came so just i mean what was a wonderful company at one time when it was the bell, bell system new jersey bell mountain bell or whatever released in new jersey it was a wonderful company and became a nightmare to deal with and uh Then subsequently I looked on the internet for whatever that's worth and it seems that rural New Jersey is having a terrible problem, the same problems that I'm having and they don't want to service the people. They tell them it's old copper and either get rid of your phone or forget about it or just live with it and pay the money and shut up. (laughs) That's what they tell you. Basically that's what they tell you. So anyway, I'm leading up to a long story here. A couple of years ago, I had, well, I had Verizon also for the cell phones, and they kept gave, giving me a a, a working over, all right? I mean, the, I remember my, I had to on a business trip, and the cell phone, I had a flip phone at the time. It wasn't Because I only got a smartphone a couple of years ago, so this wasn't a million years ago. People had smartphones for 20 years. So the buttons weren't working properly. You'd press 7 and 8 would come up, or 7 and 4 would come up or something. So I was going up to Canada, And uh, to, uh, to, I think it was in 2000, well, whatever. So anyway, I said to Shaw, I got to get a new phone. There's a Verizon store in town. It was easier to, we built this house as a modular back in 96. It was easier to build a house than it was to get a a phone from, from the Verizon store. But anyway, so I was literally there for hours. And I said to the woman, I just want the same type of phone and uh i said the buttons are broken on it it's nobody's fault i'm not mad at whatever i just want the same type of phone so but what happened is when they did that they gave they told me i updated and they they tried and they raised my rate dramatically for updating i said i'm not updating he said the phone is broken i said i'm getting going from a flip phone to a flip phone the exact same flip phone i'm not updating i think it's a scam in the verizon store and then, then Charlotte's phone, the same thing happened. I think she washed it in a washing machine. I don't like that. <clears throat> and then uh, she had a flip phone also. And it was the same thing. So basically, in essence, our Bill, and no matter what you do with them, you can't get anywhere. You can't talk to anybody. If you, if you talk to somebody, they're like in the Philippines or God knows India, and you can't. And they're a the phone company, and you can hardly hear what they're saying on the phone. I said, I can't hear you. I said, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. It's... Bad conne- so the phone company has a bad connection i mean that's forget about it so so what happened was that i had seen when we had tv which is now gone a couple of years also that uh consumer cellular consumer cellular used cellular used to advertise a lot so about two years ago we switched to consumer cellular and that's when i got a smartphone and then uh and Charlotte got a, she got a smartphone also, but she couldn't use it. So I went and got her a flip phone from Consumer Cellular. But anyway, so we were very, very happy with Consumer Cellular. Our our bill for the two cell phones literally came to about 40% of what it used to be with Verizon. Completely easy to deal with all the people in the United States, the good, clear connections, right? And uh, <clears throat> never had a problem with them. So... I did an internet search, and I said, we can get, I said this, we're paying $130 a month for this Verizon phone, it's useless. I, I, you, I mean, you couldn't even call an ambulance, God forbid, and that's why I have it, right? So uh, so I do an internet search, and then I found out that Consumer Cellular, and, and subsequently I found that other companies do also, like AT&T, uh, have something called a, what do they call it, a home, uh, I mean, what is it called here? home, I'm reading it, home base, home phone base. And I said, because I said, so there's got to be a way to have like, a, to hook up a regular landline and or do something else. So what this is, if you don't know about it, is it's a home, it's a, you could hook, you hook up your landline to it, excuse me, disconnect the, you disconnect the phone from the from the jack in the wall and you hook it up to this base through consumer consumer cellular and, and they set up uh, subsequently other companies, the name of the company makes the base. It doesn't. It says Verve V E R V E, and uh, <clears throat> it links your home phone like a cell phone. So you're talking on your home phone, which is good for elderly people, right? You're talking on your home phone. Everything's the same, but it goes into this box and it goes out like as as a cell phone. So what happens? They called Consumer Cellular. They had they had this system. And the unit is free. It was originally $89. It's free, because I was a customer, who knows maybe anybody, it's free too, right? And $15 a month on top of my on top of my cell phone bill. Unlimited talk, 15 any place in the United States, North America, Canada, Mexico, right? Unlimited talk, $15 a month. So I went from $130 a month for a phone that didn't work for, let's say three years from Verizon with old copper to this consumer cellular verve base and uh it works very very well there's some things you have to check i figured out how to well i i went on the internet and they they kind of told you how to do it but it didn't work with my motorola android phone so i have to thumb, thumb my way through it and you got to check your signal and then uh i had a signal that in theory should work with this base and uh it's been working beautifully. So the moral of the story is here, that if you are in a in an area or you have an elderly parent or somebody like that, and you have a decent cell phone signal, for for fifteen dollars a month, with Consumer Cellular, well it's fifteen dollars to add a line. So I think it's twenty something dollars if you're new. If you just have that, you could have their landline phone plugged into this base, and they don't know the difference. and you and they and they port over your number so it's consumer cellular did everything i had to i had to do zero just to plug it into the wall and uh they give it 110 volts and 120 volts and they port over your home phone number to this base so you have your home phone number you have everything and it's fantastic so so far so far fantastic but i did learn a lot about cell phone signals from this which i am not going to burden you with right now and i learned about you know reading them in negative db and asu average system units or something or signal signal units or something so it was very very interesting and i also learned and what i'm not bragging putting my my background and what i've read and what i studied together is that bars on your cell phone mean absolutely nothing because everybody's phone has them calibrated differently and uh, in where my the best signal that I could get on according to my Motorola Android phone is minus 85 dB outside in the garage, which is according to everybody, which is excellent. The closer it gets to zero, so minus 10 is a stronger signal than my and it's, it reads in decibels, but it's I think it's off of a milliwatt. It's a subtraction from a milliwatt, but we won't go there. But uh, and uh, so the best like upstairs in the house i could get minus 93 db and down where i have the unit it's minus a uh about 95 to 100 but it varies so uh i learned like i said i learned a lot about that one day i'll i have nothing to talk about which is never never the case i will share with you what i kind of taught myself and learned about cell phone signals and um but i have four bars on this vervy basin we have wonderful connection so it's something for you to look into all right and uh but that is that let me see if i got some notes here but you know what today's show is going to be about eventually if i ever get there right 18 minutes and 18 minutes and 50 seconds according to the soundboard is i'm going to pose a question to you and i'm going to pose the same question to myself and uh are new vehicles, and I kind of did a version of this before, but this is going to have a whole different twist on it. Are new vehicles, new, new engines, new farm equipment, are they better than the old stuff? And uh, I've come to some conclusions with that, but I also came to some conclusions with an explanation. So that's what we're going to talk about today and it was a catalyst the catalyst of this for this show was me having a conversation with two friends who also happened to be listeners right so i guess they don't really count as listeners if they're friends right but uh, but they are listeners and uh one is jason and one is gene so uh jason is on the east coast here out in long island new york and gene is out in nevada and uh we are uh, three car guys, so we constantly go back and forth and uh, talk about cars, talk about everything. And uh, my buddy Gene has a, uh, a few. He, he has a number of cars, older and newer. His oldest one is a '89, so which that's considered like a newer car today, at least in my book, because when somebody says they have an older car. I think it's a '69, right? So we're uh, older and he has a 89 firebird he has four, four has a 89 firebird a, i think a 2013 mustang boss 302 he has a focus svt which he drives every day he has a new 2023 ranger and he has a mustang i think it's a 2018 or 19 that he road races <clears throat> the only car that i ever saw that he has physically touched was the firebird and because he bought that here when he lived back east, and the others he all bought when he was out in Nevada, and I have not been there for, sadly, for, jeez, for about 15 years. So I've seen pictures of the cars, but I don't know. The, I, don't, I haven't physically touched them or seen them. And then Jason is a uh, he's a Mopar guy that drives Fords. All right, so he drives a Ford Focus and a Ford van for his business, and but he collects Mopars. I think he has an older, beautiful, Yeah, not think, he has an older, beautiful Thunderbird. I think uh, in early 60s, maybe, uh, well, maybe the 59. He had sent me a picture of it once, so I uh, might be jumbled that up in my mind, but a beautiful Thunderbird, um, and uh, he has a bunch of old Mopars. They're not necessarily performance cars but they are nice old cars all right the things that are even a couple old Mopar police cars so and uh, Jason has a brand new 2023 Scat Pack Challenger that he specially ordered all right so this is the reason I'm giving you this because it's going to be the foundation for what we're also talking about today and uh, when I get there and uh so Gene texts me in the cornfield, and he, he texts both Jason and myself, and uh, and he says he just saw the new Mustang, and he doesn't like it, so it doesn't impress him, and he hates the dashboard because it's got this big Goonie computer screen on it, like a lot of cars that I have. And uh, so I got back to him, and I, I told him I parroted something in a modified way that that Tex Rubinowitz, who sings the song that we're playing now, right? The Hot Rod Man song. And as an aside to that, that song was actually used in a movie, I think in the late 1970s or early 80s. It was called either, it had something to do with Route 66. I mean, it was a a movie movie in the movie theaters. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, back then they didn't have this like Netflix stuff on YouTube. So it was a legitimate Hollywood movie. I think it was called Roadhouse 66 or something like that. But anyway, and it was also used in an ANCO wiper blade commercial uh, on television. And now it's used by the Hot Rod Farmer. So it uh, went from its glory days to me. But I remember when I had contact, when I started this show and I had contacted, I was looking for. Uh, I was looking for a song. I was looking for some music. To put in there to do to break into a segment and by god's grace i found this song hot rod man by tex rubinowitz and you know it's <clears throat> it's, it's wonderful how god opens doors for you and uh, you never realize the doors he's opening until long after you walk through them and start to think and look backwards but anyway so i found this song so I said, how am i gonna get a hold of this guy again can't steal the song and then I did an internet search, and I was able to find them and whatever. And I was, and I, I was able to find his phone number, which is unbelievable. And I, and it was relatively, you know, in God's hand in it. Not not saying when things go a little bit, that when I'm not saying when in life it seems like you're rolling a rolling a boulder up a hill that God is not in it, but for some reason He wants you to build that strength that you need to roll the boulder up a hill. All right, so that does not mean he's not in it. Sometimes it means he's not in it. He doesn't want you doing that. But other times, when the door is open very quickly, that's that's a good. I shouldn't say it's a. It's it's a it's a it's an indicator that the good Lord is guiding your path. All right, but that doesn't mean if you went to go rob a bank and the safe to happened to be unlocked that he was guiding that path. So you as a Christian, you have to learn that discernment. But but I won't get off into that tangent now. So anyway. So what has happened? A few years back, I got a hold of this te- this man, Tex Rubinowitz. Where that's not his real name. The Rubinowitz may be his last name, but um, so anyway, uh, very very nice. He's an older gentleman now in his eighties. Uh, he has has some health issues, and uh, and I was talking to him on the telephone. I told him what to do, and he gave me his blessing, and he connected me with the. Uh, the The record label uh, that actually owns the song, and that gentleman um, uh, was very, very nice. Also, and he gave me his blessings to to use it. Uh, but he told me, if I think for it, ASCAP or something like that, that there has to be a financial transaction. So I think he charged me like ten dollars or twenty dollars to get the rights to the song, right? The right to, to use it. So it was. They both were gracious, more than gracious gentlemen. All right wonderful but when i was talking to tex and i said to him you know i don't like the new country music and uh yeah i said the old country i like I i don't like the the, i don't like the really the country from the 50s but i would say from the late 60s through the early 80s i like that country music because i love story songs and those are predominantly story songs and um and so tex this is when i spoke to him on a telephone a couple of years ago he said I, I said you know all these new songs i you know they're talking about the bars and drinking and the texting somebody and the whatever i said i just don't like it so he says text says to me this is the prophetic part he says to me you are not supposed to like it so i said i'm not supposed to like his is right you're not supposed to like it you are from a different generation and his words were very prophetic, is they're not singing to you. They're singing to people of a different generation that is the singer's, more or less the singer's age. So they talk about these things and that you would not talk about from your era, even though I'm not that old, I'm not a dinosaur, but from a different era. So getting back to what, when my buddy Gene texted both Jason and I about the Mustang, and I was in the cornfield, picking corn, and I stopped to take a break, and I said to them, they're not singing to us. We're not supposed to like that car. We're not supposed to like that dash. We may like the car, we're not supposed to like that dashboard. We're not supposed to like that big computer screen on the dashboard. We're not supposed to like all that because they did not, they're not singing to us. They're singing to a different generation of people that embrace that and if you look back in time is that and if you're old enough to have (coughs) your parents let me put this way (coughs) if you're old enough young enough to have your parents still alive and possibly your grandparents, is that the different things that you have on the farm today? The different pieces of equipment, the different technologies you use, the different procedures. All right, no tell All right, you talk to a guy from, you know, from World War ii and no tell He thought you're crazy. You got to tear, tear up the soil. You got to do this. You got to do that. So, so, so the same thing has happened. But it becomes very glaring, I think, with people who are interested in machinery and interested in cars, because we want a Mustang to be a certain thing, we want a combine to be a certain thing, we want we want it to be what we want it to be and believe that it should be, that we are familiar with and, co- and comfortable with, and then when we see a lot of these new things, we reject it. But then we have to come to recognize, and I never, and like I said, Tex put that very succinctly, and I've used that they are not singing to me. So the thing is that so they are not singing to Gene when he looked in that Mustang and saw that big computer that com- that big computer. <laughs> screen on the dashboard they're not singing to him they're singing to somebody else they're singing to a younger guy they're not singing to to, to us and then and then jason got back to me and he said well i i bought the last car that they're singing that they that they sung to us if he said it more succinctly than i am with the challenger and and lots of ways the challenger is all right the last the, the last car that they're singing to people like us but in some ways it isn't right it's got a computer screen not that big on the dashboard it's got uh whatever you call it, the, the navigation system or other crap in it all right so whatever all right so that is the thing is that we are not with they are not singing to us now now how does this have to do with anything well if you look back at the telephone right Verizon well they're not singing to me they don't care about rural New Jersey they just tell us we got old copper either take it or accept it or get off the system and use a cell phone so the phone company is not singing to people like me anymore all right they're not they're not singing and then and uh and then <clears throat> if you look at the at the agricultural community and you look at farm machines and look at things of that nature, in lots of ways, they're not singing to us. To, well, I shouldn't say to us because I have an eclectic audience. To the younger people in the audience, they're singing to them, but they are not singing. But it's really not as apparent from my way of thinking in the agricultural community as it is with vehicles. And then also with things like an appliance in the house, a washing machine or a refrigerator. Try to buy a washing machine today that doesn't have a PC board in it. Forget about it. Right? Even if they have knobs, there's a PC board that's like quasi-knob look, right? That, the, 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 uh, that there's a PC board and there's a microprocessor, because that's really what you call a computer, a microprocessor behind. So when you do turn the knob, you think you got old-fashioned, but you don't. So they're not singing to us anymore. So now this begs to begs to ask the question are new vehicles new farm equipment are they better than the old stuff or is the old stuff better than the new stuff well i think you have to look at it in a in in two different lights right and we have to sing two different songs and one of the songs because no matter what kind of music you like all right, a song is supposed to be a defined series of notes, musical notes put together to make some sort of melody, not a bunch of noise, <clears throat> all right? So, so some of the songs that they're singing today, both real songs and metaphorically we're talking about equipment and machinery, is noise. And I will explain that as we move forward here. So... You know, we all look back and say, "Well, they don't build them like they used to." Right, and in some ways, that is true, and in some ways, it is not true. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this down into a couple of different elements, and I'm going to use cars/slash road vehicles as the metric for this. I'm not going to go back and say, "Well, you know, you could buy this kind of tractor, and as you could buy a uh, what do you call it, the uh, versatile, like like versatile." They had that Russian russian combine that was like uh very old-fashioned as far as its controls and very simplistic is concerned so the thing is that but we're going to we're going to use cars cars meaning cars pickup trucks all right as a as an example here and then as we drift as you drift into farm equipment some of it will carry over and some of it will not but uh is the old stuff better than the new stuff? Well, you know, lots of people look at it and say, and I will say that it's not, that the today's engines are better in many ways than the old engines, but they are not as durable, excuse me, and not as forgiving. The metallurgy that they use today is advanced metallurgy, and it's not the old cast iron block, cast iron cylinder head, cast iron <laughs> intake manifold, everything cast iron. All right, that you you could you could cook it, you could do whatever. I mean, cook it, you mean overheat it. Oh, forget about it, right? And let it cool off, and nothing happens to it. That's not the case today. So in that particular instance, the old engines are much better and much stronger than the new engines. All right, modern engines. I shouldn't say let's say modern old versus modern right they're not the new stuff is not forgiving you can't take a new toyota and overheat it and cook it and expect that 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 engine is going to be any good afterwards all right it's not it's going to be junk all right and because they're all aluminum and it's not just a toyota it's anything they're all aluminum they do different metallurgies different uh, uh hybrid metals and what have you Right, so, so in that respect, then, the, the older engines are much better than the modern engines. But we also have to look at, just like as I was saying, is that grandpa, or maybe your dad, and maybe even yourself, right? Because we used to moldboard plow, right? Is that you know, we, <clears throat> we used to plow up the land and disk it <clears throat> and do everything to plant the crop. And now I'm no-till, right? So I plant all my corn no-till. I love, not- I love the way a beautiful, beautifully tilled field looks. I'm not going to deny that. And the smell of the earth, which you don't get when a no-till plant right? But I, lo- I love all of the benefits of no-till to soil health and less trips across the field and less compaction and, and what have you. Earthworms are happy. You know, and so-, so there is a trade-off there. But if you look at newer engines, the industry itself, the community, has learned to do things better. Every aspect of a new engine, other than the, somebody's meowing outside, other than the strength of its material being worse. Years ago, they made th- made everything out of cast iron. It was heavy, so that's how they made their strength. It was heavy. It was heavy. It was just so so strong because of its mass. Then today, it makes stuff paper thin. And... uh with these new high-tech materials, so they don't have that same strength, so they crack easily cylinder head, I mean, a lot of big diesels, Caterpillars, C-13, they're cracking the cylinder head. Yes, you never crack the cylinder head in diesel. You cook it and let it cool off, unless you were cooked and pour cold water in it, that they uh, you, you wouldn't crack it, right? This You're going down the road. The hell if the cylinder head cracks, all right? So, because they make the metal so thin. But... We learned as a community, as an industry, how to make things, how to to do things better. I'm not going to say make them better, do them better. So the machining processes drastically improved. All right, Uh, the measurement, the measurement, uh, abilities improved everything improved because we got to learn how to do it better and rightfully so all right if you look at something from 50 60 years ago which is not that long ago in my book and you look at an engine or a vehicle from 60 years ago versus today i'm hoping we learn to do something better in 60 years as, as a world right i'm hoping to do that we learn that but the other thing which a lot of people do not look at is that the oils got a lot better so we had these modern engine oils are so much better than than the oils were back years ago and the other thing is that we have much better control over fueling and all right and that's and it's um, it's because of fuel injection All right, now i'm not saying fuel injection is the most wonderful thing in the world it brings its own set of problems to the table but the ability to control the air-fuel ratio much more accurately than we did with a carburetor. Carburetor was great for steady state. You could, if you were a good carburetor man, you could you could beat any. You could come right within spitting distance of the best fuel injection system. All right, a margin of error was nothing. All right, but this that's a steady state. But train, but. During transitional operation, during transient operation, is that the carburetor would always skew, and would either have to skew to the lean side or to the rich side, and most of the time it skewed. They calibrated the skew to the rich side because it was more forgiving. So what that meant is that you had the air-fuel ratio wandering all over the place, whereas a fuel injector, modern fuel-injected engine, when it's correct, all right, which is not all the time, when it is correct, it's keeping that air-fuel ratio. It's like going across your field with a combine and going to say in the same reading, on the on the on the yield monitor, four hundred bushels break, four hundred bushels, four three ninety nine, four hundred one three ninety nine, four hundred one. Right, all right. So the thing is that you, it's very very uniform, and what would happen on a carbureted vehicle is that. When that mixture skewed to the rich side, as it was supposed to, for you you stepped on the throttle, you accelerate, you did whatever. Is that two things would happen? Is that number one, you would have a very rich air fuel ratio, which would slightly impact and and the oil on the cylinder walls, right? Because what would happen is the the air fuel ratio would be very rich, and it would to a certain extent dilute some of the oil to a certain extent, right, and take it off take it off the cylinder walls and then the second aspect of it is that act that rich air fuel ratio would cause the fuel to go into the oil over time and that's how today they have these extended oil drain intervals because if you're going to pollute something it makes a difference if it's a modern oil or not if you're if you're putting gasoline in it or diesel fuel and it's still going to lose its lubricity so that fuel control and when you have that that rich mixture going against that cylinder wall, and the ring package is going. All right, you're wearing that ring package excessively, and you're also glazing over the cylinder wall. So, so the oils have gotten so much better. All right, the fuel control has gotten so much better because of during transient operation, the the cold enrichment on a gasoline engine today is minuscule compared to what it used to be. When you have an older carbureted engine, then it's going, to, it would crank it like two to one air-fuel ratio, right? And then when the choke was on, it was about eight, nine, ten to one air-fuel ratio, as the choke would start to warm up, it would go towards 14.7. All right, so the thing basically is that you had all of this running time where the engine was very rich, and then again, that rich air-fuel ratio Where's that ring package and that's cylinder on the wall exponentially so if you have it i mean you take a modern fuel injected engine unless it's 40 below zero f i mean it's going to probably be at stoic 14.7 to one within 45 seconds if not sooner right so not eight to one air fuel ratio all right so the thing is that so that comes into play so That kind of gave the old engines, they were at a disadvantage. So it wasn't that their machining, yeah, we have better machining today, but not that the old stuff was that bad by no means, all right? And... uh, we have different, yeah, and, but then also it was a, you know, just like with no-tell, right? So the, So we're doing cover crops, you have to worry about all this and that. And the thing is that, so yeah, we have different ring packages today because we could take advantage of the oil. So everything is stair-step together in life. It's usually not a singular thing. It's one, one, one advancement allows another advancement to come forward and they stair-step their way along but another component is that what has happened from my perspective is that the driving cycles are completely different so you look at years ago and I'm going to use Hackettstown New Jersey for an example in Warren County New Jersey for the most part you either worked in a factory and there was fact And if you had to go 10 miles, that there was a lot, 10 or 12 miles, or maybe 15 to Washington, New Jersey, right? There was so much industry here, and I'm saying good industry, not junk. Good industry you either worked in the factory or you were in agriculture, and that was the predominantly what everybody did there was nobody commuting to new york city there was nobody commuting east here east of here there was nothing you either worked someplace within 15 miles or you worked on a farm and that was it the area back as late as 1980 early 1980s warren county had more dairy cows than it had people all right and we had m&m candy factory in town there was in, on the way to washington there was mobile there was hoffman laroche in belvedere new jersey there was a couple other. i mean there was there was in phillipsburg new jersey which is probably about 20 miles away was loaded with industry all right they made locomotives there i mean so there was There was none of this stuff where you're going, like, I mean, here, my wife is guilty of it, right? She's going uh, 55, 60 miles one way down Route 80 to go to work. So what has happened is the amount of mileage that a lot of people are driving today is substantially more, not everyone, but substantially more than they did in the past. So if I was to put this together in a nutshell, is that given the right scenarios... All right, I think a modern a modern engine will last longer mileage wise because of the better oils because of the fuel control but also because of the longer driving cycles not the short trip cycles than an older engine all right than an, than, than an old style engine all right because back then the people didn't drive they they didn't drive that far but I do not believe In any way, shape, or form, that modern farm equipment, modern cars, modern trucks, will stand the test of time, as the old equipment would and the old engines would. I don't think from I don't think that you're going to find fifty years from now a Kia running, right? So I I I mean I may be wrong. Fifty years from now I'll be dead, but. but I don't think you're gonna see that. I don't think you. I mean, <clears throat> you figure if you have a an engine from the '60s, let's say, all right. So, all right. So that that that's 65, 70 years old. That engine from the '50s. I mean, these engines running around farm tr- farm equipment, the stuff that was built in the '50s. That's 70 years old. Alright, and the thing is that the thing you don't even hear it run, right? I do not believe. So if I was to if I was to put this in two categories, I think today's modern engines will run more miles uh, with with minimal minimal wear. I mean three, four hundred, five, six hundred thousand miles given given the right conditions and cared for with some semblance of care than the old stuff would, but they are not gonna last twenty years or thirty years in my estimation they're not going to and that brings me to the other aspect of today's show and the thing is that it is i personally think that this whole industry has gone absolutely bonkers like verizon telling me i have old copper i keep coming back to that cause i think it's funny i'm looking for of old copper so what the hell are you talking about old copper <laughs> right so so uh like they call me an old man or something, you oh, old man, what are you looking at that that woman for? But uh, so the thing is that right, there's so many people today that are falling and it's not your fault as the consumer. Not your fault whatsoever. Of course they're ramming it down our throats, and I don't like stuff rammed down my throat. Now but there has to be a backstory to this for it to make any sense the advancements that we see in engines and in transmissions which are a nightmare today also all right tra- engines and transmission are predominantly driven by government intervention and that is the EPA fuel economy and the emission standards so the engine and transmission work hand in hand to basically <clears throat> meet those those federal Fuel economy and emission standards. All right. So that is that we could blame. And I'm not, look, I'm a Christian. I don't want to waste resources. I don't want dirty air. I don't want dirty water. But I think there's a lot better way than we are going about doing it. So, in essence, is that the technology that you find underneath the hood and the advancement you find underneath the hood of a modern vehicle, for the most part, are driven by those government standards. Okay, fine. The technology and the advancements and the complexity that you find inside the passenger vehicle, one passenger compartment, whether it's a car, pickup truck, or whatever, all right, other than the airbags, which have been around for quite some time and have not been problematic whatsoever, all right, they got that nailed down many, many years ago, 30 years ago. The thing is that the air, other than the airbags, that complexity is being put into the vehicle by the manufacturer as, and they are ramming that down our throat. Now I'm going to share with you a couple of stories here. And these are real life stories that came across my desk. And first of all, the, and this is not a knock on any of these brands whatsoever, because it could have been any other brand, but these the, happened to be the stories that came across my desk. <clears throat> okay the start the first story an infinity i30 it's out of warranty i don't know the exact year it's out of warranty and it has <clears throat> a little i think about 120 or a miles you know and then like hey like i was saying before that's not a lot of miles for a newer engine all right the engine uses oil which we're going to forget about that all right but that's not the problem I'm talking about, well, infinity, which is part of Nisan, Nisan I don't know how they say it all right, and they're not the only ones who do this, and so it's like I say, I'm not giving them a black eye, but I am the thing is that in their infinite wisdom, when they built these infinities, they decided to 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 make the power steering very uh or i should say. How is the? Let's use the word sensitive. The amount of assist to be linked to the road speed of the vehicle. Now, other manufacturers do this also. Okay, so the whole theory is that, and this is you know because the jerkos like in Car and Driver and Motor Trend magazine. But so they come over there, and what they do is that they have more assist during low speed driving, like three, two, three, four miles an hour. And so you're going through a parking lot, you're parking that there's more assist and then as the vehicle's speed starts to increase that they cut back on the assistance on the power steering. So basically the amount of 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 assistance the power steering gives you. So this is supposed to give you a sporty feel, right? That you're on the highway doing 80 miles an hour it's very it's it's not the people they used to the car magazines which I've written for used to complain about specifically about General Motors in the 70s and 80s over assisted power steering. All right. So this Infinity has this function which other brands do also but I happen to know the people who have this infinity, right? So, and a woman drives this car. So they have this infinity, and then what has happened is that on occasion that she would be, I'm not laughing, thank God she never got into an accident, but she'd be driving the car at low speeds, and the steering would get, like pulling into a parking lot, the steering would, I don't want to say it would lock up, would get very stiff and you. She could turn it, but you had to strain to turn it and then once you got going over a certain speed it was fine well to make a long story short this infinity's been all over other than being sent back to japan all right and crushed it's been all it's been all over to private repair shops people who are di- diagnosticians all right and uh, to infinity dealers and what have you and they've changed a rack a steering rack a number of times all right and uh, to no avail they changed everything a number of times to no avail then finally went to a different infinity dealer they had the car for three months to their credit they gave them a loaner car didn't charge them anything they had the car for three months and they changed everything again now these people who own this car have about seven or eight thousand dollars into this repair Okay, and they get the car back from they give the loaner the car back. And In Infinity, the dealership was great. They had to go to Massachusetts to go so do whatever you want with the loan. it was SUV, or Do whatever you want with it, and go go to California if you want, All right? And uh, they they got the car back. The car was steering fine. The lady was very happy. She's able to go through a parking lot and park the car. Well, that was about three months ago. The other morning, I see her. I go there to have my coffee in the morning. <laughs> she says the steering is tight again. It's going exact same thing over again. So whatever happened to this car, that it worked, that all of, that it, it, this has been going on for a year. So the point of this story, and I'm saying is that you cannot blame the federal government for the complexity that Infinity put into the steering system. Which I'm repeating it again. Other brands have this also, not just not just Infinity. The complexity of putting it in, into this, you can't blame Uncle Sam for that. All right, is that they decided now a 60-year-old woman who's driving this car to the supermarket, or a husband who used it before to take to go to work. Do you think he cares about that? He does not care about it. So that's one example of an overly complicated situation that gave no value whatsoever. Doesn't improve your fuel economy, doesn't improve anything. So here is a point where, all right, the engine runs fine, it uses a ton of oil, all right, uh that Nissan v q engine uses a ton of oil, but it runs fine, starts in the morning and does everything it's supposed to do all right, but what is really sidelining this car is this six seven eight nine thousand dollars maybe they have seven eight I thought I said six or seven, maybe it's more who knows into a car that all of a sudden the steering wheel gets the steering gets very hard and you pull, i'm not laughing you're pulling into a low speeds and once you get going 10 15 miles an hour it's fine so you'd have to go to a parking lot of 20 miles an hour all right or you could hardly steer it all right so that's that's case one so this overall complication so can you keep this car for 20 years no you cannot that's what i'm getting at all right do you want to keep this car for 20 years you can't even if you want to because this car is going to have to go to a crusher and be crushed eventually because he gets thousands and thousands of dollars into a car that does not steer properly okay next one happens to be another infinity people this is a different infinity all right uh people I know from from when I used to go for a walk at the in the park in the morning. When I say it's a park, it's it's a, it's a rural park, all right? And uh nice couple, a very nice older couple. He's retired. He was some kind of chemist or something with Pfizer. had a big job. And they have an infinity also. It could, could be anything else, but this happens to be, I'm not going to make up name brands or something. They just change it. And they're coming home from church, and they're on Route 80, and I don't know whether he swerved a little bit, or tracked the trailer swerved a little bit, and took the passenger side rear view mirror off the car. Okay, all right. That's I mean that's something that you're not happy about, especially. All right. That's uh, the door wasn't damaged. It just caught the mirror and busted the mirror and busted the glass and I guess and some other stuff in the mirror. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it came. I don't believe it came off, but I may be wrong. So anyway so like i said all right it's an old look it's an old it's an infinity it's not brand new and uh they they're retired so they the wife uses the car and uh so they can get the car fixed all right well this is one of these gooney mirrors that have heating elements in it electric obviously heating elements blind spot detection and all this other manure we'll say and it's some other some other thing and uh uh, automatic tilt when you put it in reverse and other garbage, right? So they go to infinity. If they nice, and I I said, to them, well, you know, it's going to cost you some money because the mirror's got to be painted to match the car. I said, I don't they, I unless they come painted. I said, I don't think they come in the, for an older car with a p- color palette. They had six or seven colors, but anyway. So they go to they go to infinity without the painting of the mirror to buy the mirror and install it. All right, so you didn't even paint it yet to match the car, which is gonna be more money to buy the mirror and install it, right? All right, and uh, is almost $3,000 for a rear view mirror. You can't blame the government for that, all right? You gotta blame the car manufacturers for thinking they need to put all this garbage in it, all right? So now, another case in point, all right, and this is... uh, more complex because we had hard steering before and this one happens to be a 2018 Ford F-150 top of the line either limited or platinum whichever the, I think the limited is the top of the line not the platinum anyway so anyway so this F-150 it's got a hundred thousand miles on it what happens is that it starts to give a, a warning light on the dashboard of something happening with the rear taillights, because they, they, these vehicles now have LED taillights, right? LED lights. Oh, look! I got LED lights. Oh, blah, blah. All right, well, here's your LED lights, buddy. Bend over. All right, so what happens is that something happens, some kind of warning with the LED lights, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, a short while after that, the, the digital controls for the HVAC, the heater, they should go dead on them all right so then you got this code for the led lights uh rear tail lights and then the code and then then something else went dead on it and then what happens is the person goes to start the vehicle one day the vehicle does not start so in rapid succession he got a code i'm not saying i mean rapid succession maybe the course of a couple of weeks all right got a code for the tail lights on the dashboard of warning uh got a, uh, a problem with the heater control hvac control went not working and then shortly thereafter dead no start well what happens is that in that vehicle like many vehicles that I can't blame the government for it that they use a number of can buses And we talk about this on farm tractors. We talk CAN bus, right? CAN bus, right? And the thing basically is, and if you're not familiar with CAN, it's an acronym for Controlled Area Network. And a bus is something in electronics that ties something together. So if you have a, you could have a bus bar. And what it basically is, a bus is a subsystem that connects the computers and the data in a CAN bus. So on this truck, they have what I could glean. They have a low-speed CAN bus and a high-speed CAN bus. Well, it doesn't mean like the infinity low-speed going into a pocket. It means the speed of the data transmission, that they they have a higher-speed CAN bus and a lower-speed one. And supposedly, all of this stuff is tied in the low-speed CAN bus. So why doesn't the vehicle start? Well without going on for 200 years here is that the person somehow cracked the rear one of the rear taillight lenses oh big they already go to the dealership 50 60 dollars 100 dollars by a taillight lens well this vehicle because it's fancy schmancy right can't blame the government has all of this crap pardon my language like the infinity where it has the, the the side vehicle detection, anti-collision warning, and all this other stuff, lane detection, lane departure, all this other garbage in it, right? And it has the radar. If you look at the lens on a lot of vehicles, it shows it like a radar signal coming out of it and bossed in it, all right? It has all this radar stuff, and it is connected through the low-speed CAN bus. Well, there's a bunch of other microprocessors that are connected on that same line of the CAN bus, which also controls the HVAC and also allows, in some respect, controls the engine controller that allowed a vehicle to run, all right? So what had happened is because this lens was was cracked. It was not broken. That over time, a moisture got in, and what happens to moisture with an electrical circuit with a plug? It works itself in there. Eventually, it didn't happen over five minutes, right? Over time, and it caused high resistance in this can bus in the tail light. Now, this high resistance, and I've always said this on the show and in my teachings. Is that you cannot anticipate how electricity is going to respond to something? Cannot whatsoever. Somebody tells you that they can, they're a liar. All right. So this CAN bus connections for this radar system and this lane departure garbage, all got corro- it got corroded and started to short. And you know, in electric, people use the word short wrong, incorrectly. Short is copper to copper, so it takes the one circuit and jumps it to the other. All right. Well, and then it took out when it, <laughs> I'm not laughing, it took out these other modules in this CAN bus and that's why the, the HVAC stopped working and eventually the engine did not run. Well, when you buy the taillights, the shells are empty and then you have to buy the different, so anyway, to make a long story short, to get this because of a cracked taillight lens that caused corrosion, in this low-speed CAN bus, which eventually took out the heater controls, and eventually took out the engine, my not didn't allow the engine to start. This guy has almost seven thousand dollars into this truck, and it's not because, in it wasn't because of diagnostics like with the with the uh, Infinity steering. All right, is that? I mean, yes, it was a hard thing to diagnose but $7,000 into this truck because of a cracked taillight lens that allowed water to get into it, moisture to get into it, not even water. So what is the take-home message here? If you, The take-home message here is that, <clears throat> I. Da- there's a couple of messages. Number one, my suggestion to you is when you go to buy a vehicle, try to buy the most Spartan one that of that model that fits your needs so if you need so if you need an a pickup truck don't buy the limited the platinum or the the high country or uh, whatever high sierra whatever they call it, denali or whatever Graham has with all this. Oh, look, and you know, people like to come and bring, oh, look at this, I got the radar warning. I got this, I got this, I got that. Well, you got the radar warning, buddy. You better save your money for that, all right? So, and the thing is that you have to keep in mind years ago, when you put complexity in the vehicle years ago, power windows, power antenna, air conditioning, maybe a moonroof, electric trunk lid release, or some other garbage like that, right? I'm calling it garbage. If that thing took a dump on you, all right, it never stopped the vehicle. So the guy would say, ah, well, the antenna, I pulled the antenna up, the electric antenna do not work anymore. And that was very common years ago, especially in the city when you went into an, a, a, a poor neighborhood that the, the people would buy an old Cadillac or an old Buick Electra or a, or a Ozerbill 98 and 90% of the stuff didn't work in it anymore. All this electronics to the clock didn't work. The one power window didn't work. The power door locks didn't work. Something else didn't work. But you were able to get around that, right? say, okay, well, the window don't work. The air conditioning don't work. But the vehicle ran. It didn't cost. And and that's the whole thing I'm trying to emphasize today is that when you go to buy something, you go to buy a vehicle, I don't care what your demographic is. If you plan on keeping this for a number of years, if you say, no, I'm going to just keep this until the warranty is up and I'm getting rid of it, then go for it, buddy, right? Because you're not going to have this. But here it is, you have... You have these vehicles, and the F-150 was probably 85 dollars $90,000 vehicle. The Infiniti at the time was probably sixty five. the Infiniti was sixty five dollars $70,000 vehicles. The people decided to keep the vehicle. It's paid for. It doesn't have a lot of miles on it. The F-150 had $100,000 for only a couple years old, so obviously the guy used it a lot. But anyway, but still, it's not a lot of miles. And it's not the engines or the transmissions in these instances that are sidelining these vehicles. <clears throat> it is this other garbage that is not allowing the vehicle to function properly. So, you know, try to avoid buying that and, and you know somebody, oh you bought the cheap one. Yeah, I bought the cheap one because it still has too much garbage in it. Then then but <clears throat> if but you don't want that. I'm sorry, you don't want that. It wasn't like it was years ago, right? And the other thing that comes into play is that and this goes now over to farm equipment the same thing is with farm equipment you know you look at modern farm equipment and it's wonderful all right all right they have all of this stuff all these different abilities and everything but if but a, a piece of farm equipment in my estimation has to be purchased unless you lease it and you get rid of it every couple of years or whatever and that's a different story and i'm not and i'm not saying that that's what you should do but you have to amortize that piece of farm equipment over many 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 years of use to pay for it. these things are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars somewhere close to a million dollars you can't i'm gonna keep a million dollars i'm gonna keep it for two years i'm gonna get rid of it right well the thing basically is is that you possibly can but then you better make your business model to constantly be buying or turning or trading in farm equipment and then what i'm feeling sorry for is the people who are buying it, the second and third owner all right these particular instance with these three vehicles they're the original owners but what had tricked the people and i'm not saying it tricked them because i would have felt the same way they said oh well <clears throat> you know this doesn't have that much miles on it and it runs good we never really had a problem and so let's keep it why we want to buy and replace it for something It costs double the money today <coughs> excuse me double the money and you that's that's very rational, and you could still say fine, for instance, like the infinity with the rear view mirror. All right, it was a big hit to fix the rear view mirror, but the vehicle is still drivable, then it's not the end of the world, right? So you put three, 000, four thousand dollars into a rear view mirror, the car is back it, it's, it's it, everything is fine. But look at the other lady with the other infinity. She's got six, seven, eight, nine thousand dollars, whatever the heck she's got. Now. I don't even know. I don't even think she wants to say at this particular point. She doesn't want to bring it up, right? The fact that and this basic car is undrivable at low speeds. And then you have the other person with the F one fifty, all right? That doesn't even start anymore. I mean, well, it starts now because he fixed it six thousand dollars later, all right? But that is why I'm so against this autonomy. I'm so against all of these things because can you imagine, all right, what's going to happen if they bring this autonomous cars and autonomous farm equipment? Oh, it's wonderful. Look, at it's going around the field. Oh, my God, how wonderful. I could sit here and, and twiddle my thumbs and plant my corn, right, until that sucker takes off, right? And, goes, and I've said this all, and goes across the road and hits a school bus full of kids, right? So the thing basically is that you know, this complexity this industry has gone crazy and as i get ready to close i wish someone would come out with i'm not saying nothing i'm not saying bring it back to 1942 all right but we have great technology great ability with engines today all right if you care for them all right maybe we get a little bit too much on there now we could throttle that back a little bit take some weight out of the vehicles and we get get the fuel economy where we want it without adding more garbage but this in-vehicle in-cab technology that they're putting in here is an absolute nightmare and imagine so you go buy a brand new one of these vehicles you get into a major collision with it that thing is junk all right and your auto insurance rates are going to reflect that but if and, and look i'm i'm not going to say that i'm going to go be driving a 73 plymouth for the rest of my life all right but the fact of the matter is is that there is a convincing argument that i hopefully i made that when you go look to invest in something and you buy a piece of equipment instead of gravitating towards oh i'm going to get the fanciest one i'm going to get the nicest one with the this and you know with all this with all this so look at this i got all this like all this stuff over here it does all right <clears throat> the thing is that stay away from that if you plan and the the caveat being if you plan on keeping it for many 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 years hours or miles right and it's not even a financial thing because this lady with the infinity that doesn't steer she threw a ton of money at it she didn't throw a hundred dollars at it she threw a ton of money at it and she still has a car that she cannot drive all right this other gentleman with the f-150 with the uh, can bus you know from the from the stupid led tail as if it had incandescent bulbs and and not a radar warning system and lane departure and automatic braking and all this other garbage with it right the thing basically is that that uh helis would able how to heat it and worked and got to where he needed to go right the thing and crap out of him so the thing is that, but as I said before on this show, and i will get ready to close because I'm just babbling, is that today they integrate all these circuits with a CAN bus, this stuff that is integrated. When you go start a new vehicle today, you turn the key, you're not even activating the starter. You're sending what's called a, a request to the engine controller to crank this, to crank the engine over through the starting motor. So it's not like it was years ago where you have this big ignition switch in underneath the dashboard and it's, and it's on the steering column and it's sending power to the starter, really. It's not, all right? <clears throat> it's all going through a, a, and it's overly complicated for no reason. Why the car companies, and you have to realize also, you know how much engineering has to go into that? Do you know how much cost has to go into that, developing it and testing it and what have you? And I don't know, what these the people in the industry, they put all these guys through school, guys and gals through school. They grew up there. The song that they heard being sung to them is that you have to have a smartphone. You have to have this, Chat EBT, right? Well, the thing basically is, is that you still have to go to the bathroom the same way, not to be crude, and you still use the toilet paper the same way. Chat EBT ain't going to do that for you. And they thought it was so imperative that they in a pickup truck. Why does a pickup truck need that? Because when they build a pickup truck, I don't care if it's Ford, Chevy, Toyota, who the heck it is, right? They put all this garbage in. They don't know whether that truck is going to end up in a subdivision or on a ranch in Montana or up in Canada at 40 below zero. And a taillight cracks. And $6,000 later, all right, three months later, the vehicle doesn't run because of a stupid CAN bus. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous like i said and they're all the same all right infinity like this lady right <laughs> with her infinity she's happy she can get to the supermarket with it she doesn't care about that, that the assist is going to change on the highway and the low speed i mean terrible so give it some thought let me know let me know your uh your thoughts on it and uh this oval complication is going to come back and sadly bite the people who who Invested in it much more because the car company does not care, the farm tractor company does not care. Once it's out of warranty and they don't have to pay for it, the reality of it is that they could care less. And I'm not saying you go back to, to to the way it was, but in all my years, in oh, I gotta tell you another story before I go. And this was this is about 30 years ago. I was doing a demonstration on a telescope, a young guy, right. And that's when Mercedes came out with the, <clears throat> the memory seats that you could put. You know, you go into the car and you see your wife gets in, like Charlotte's five foot, and she has a. You know, she presses position number two, and it moves the seat and it moves the steering wheel and does everything tilts, telescopes, and everything to her driving position. And I get in the car, you press number one or whatever it is, and it goes. Everything sets to my position, right? Well. I was, this is a God's honest true story. I was doing a demonstration years ago for a scope of someplace down near the city. And, all right. And this guy comes, this Mercedes, new Mercedes at the time, less than the current model year at the time. All right. Mercedes. And just it was top of the line, SL Mercedes. All right. The guy comes in and he's blowing all. Ah! he said that was this guy blowing a horn does you want gas that's when gas stations had gas right repair shops so we're looking out the base so of summertime blowing a horn blowing a horn blowing a horn right so i said and i said, I said the, the guy who owned the place is cursing this guy's practically giving him a finger i said i'm gonna go i said this guy's blowing a horse so back then there was an eighty thousand dollar cough not more and i said well i'm gonna go see what this what this guy wants right Let's see what this guy, why is he blowing a horn for? Well, what happened (laughs) was that he was driving the Mercedes, and uh, I don't know how it evoked or whether, because it's supposed to look at vehicle speed, but who the heck knows, right? A lot of things are supposed to, right? Your vote is supposed to count also, we'll leave it at that. But the thing decided, and it was a situation where his wife was smaller, than he was like like I have, all right. And uh he's going down the road with the car and the car decided to push him all the way up. (laughs) Basically it pinned him up against the steering wheel. It went into his wife's driving position and he couldn't reach the buttons to try to override it. And the guy was in desperation because he couldn't he couldn't do anything he was jammed up and he almost crashed the car and he was blowing the horn for assistance and thank god when i opened somehow i opened the door i think he had the window down and I opened the door from the inside and then the seat went back in the steering wheel and the guy was actually pinned in driving the car thank god he didn't crash somebody so i mean i'll never ever forget that story right and the guy was cursing like anything over it. He says, "I'm getting rid of this car." He says, this thing is crazy. It's haunted. All right, but uh, you know, in engineering we say, "Kiss, keep it simple, stupid." Don't try to impress everybody. This is my take on it. With all the with all of the the the, the parlor tricks your new tractor has, your new pickup truck has, your wife's new car has. All right, you could buy those parlor tricks. If you either plan on not keeping it a long time, but if you want to keep stuff 10, 15, 20 years, 200,000 miles, 300,000 miles, do yourself a favor and stay away from it. So I want to thank you so much for listening and the Hot Rod Farmers point for you, the American farmer and rancher and my beloved, beloved America. God willing, catch you next week. Bye-bye.